0: Broadcasting live to the world, now, Now, now. it's Sheila Zelensky.
1: This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing...
0: Been superseded with name it and claim it. Sheila Zelensky.
1: Hello everyone and thank you very much for tuning in to the Sheila Zelensky show today. I have a fantastic guest and he's gonna bring a really pretty incredible message. I think you're really gonna be blessed by this. So over the last couple months, we've been working on SheilaZelinski.tv. We've heard from a lot of people the disappointment that our YouTube channels got taken down. So Jared, my team, they put all the content on SheilaZelinski.tv. And you can search by guest, you can search by title, you can search by deliverance. We've spent three months really cataloging them and getting them all uploaded there. So I'm hoping that you will go and check out the shows at SheilaZalinsky.tv. Again, it's very disappointing we lost our major YouTube channel. And please do know that this broadcast is 100% listener supported no advertising, no interruptions. And it's been a very challenging year to say the least. And I'm really hoping that there's some people out there that have the means to support that can and will get behind this ministry. I have the faith for this. I have the belief, you know, in the natural, many days, I just say, you know, what is the point behind an airtime, might as well just pack it in, throw in the towel. In the natural, those are the kinds of conversations that come in my head. But I'm really trusting God because I know that this ministry is all about equipping the end time saints. There are very few ministries that really focus on spiritual warfare, deliverance, salvation, healing with a focus on spiritual warfare. I know that it's an important ministry and I'm asking people to get behind it. Especially in the world, the climate that we live in now. Please, if you have the means, please go over there to SheilaZelinski.com. We heard from you and we've made a variety of really easy ways to donate, including Zelle, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, you can send check or money order. You go to the donate page. If you scroll down, you keep going down to the bottom, there's a bunch of different ways. We've made some really convenient ways for you to support this ministry, and I'm asking you to do that. And I really appreciate your support. And just know that I pray for you every single week. I pray for my supporters. I pray for my partners. And just know that when you get behind this ministry, when you partner with me, you become a part of what God is doing through this ministry. And I want to say a special thank you to the ones out there that are supporting your financial support is so important to me. And I really do appreciate it. So thank you very much for that. Well, I don't want to take any more time. I want to jump into the broadcast. My guest has not been on for a while, but I cannot wait to get into this incredible teaching. And we're going to have a part two as well. This is part one. And uh, I'm going to hand the mic to Pastor John Terrell joins me from EAEC ministry down there in California. The information is linked below in the description. John, I'm going to hand you the mic, get into this, and you throw it back to me when you're ready.
0: Praise the Lord. Let me just pray a short prayer. My Heavenly Father, I want to thank and praise you right now for the anointing upon myself, the anointing upon every listener. And as Father God, your will shall be done in our lives. And as Father God, you'll be able to set people free. In Jesus' name, amen. A lot of us have been Christians. I've been walking with the Lord since 1965, and some of you have come in later, and so on. But sooner or later, you're gonna you're gonna notice something here, and that is this: that first you have a little honeymoon in your Christian life, and then suddenly there's problems coming up, and all kind of attacks. And they can be financial attacks. They can be physically. They can be sickness. It can be that your marriage is breaking up, and all kind of things can happen. So. The question is this, why is it happen and how can I overcome this? Now the devil works in this way that he tries to put a guilt trip on us. And so if you're attacked, you know the first thing you do is what did I do wrong? And not necessarily you did something wrong, it might be that you did something right. As long as we are in situation where we are simply feeling guilt and condemnation and say, well, have I closed this door? Have I closed that door? Have I done enough? And so on. The demons will simply have you going over and over again. It's like on, on a wheel. You have a little, you're spinning around like mice just running in a wheel and he never gets any place. He just spins there. So what I want to do is I'm going to try to be slow methodically, but let's settle the first question first. What's going on in the spirit world? And I want to take you back to pre-Adamic history. I'm not going to give you any Bible verses on this. Uh, I have written a whole chapter in my book, Christian Dynamics Course Number One, where I outline this in detail. Where I'm using the Old Testament, I'm using the Book of Enoch, and I'm simply outlining what happened prior to Adam and Eve. So let's just do a quick summary of it. When God started the creation, we had God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they got together. And so before anything was started, they simply outlined what they were going to do, who were they going to create, what kind of people were they going to create, and so on. And God has a capacity to move in time, which we cannot do. So, from God's viewpoint, he sees the beginning of the creation. He sees it right now at this moment that we have, and he sees the very end of it. So God sees everything It like a panorama. There's nothing hidden for God. You and I only see moment by moment, and the same thing with the devil and the demons. They can only see moment by moment. They cannot see into the future. They can look in the back so god knew that he was going to have problems so he has simply made preparation for everything so the first thing god created in this creation were the angels the angels were done first these are a fixed number they do not uh, repopulate they, they cannot have sex with one another have offspring An angel is an angel, and it's a fixed number, but he made a whole bunch of them. After he'd done that, he created the universe. The Bible says that the angels were rejoicing, and it looks like in the Bible that the angels were working with God in this creation of the universe. God now wanted every part of his universe to be populated, so there are many different planets. So we have angel civilizations in the entire universe as far as we can see. So this was called the second heaven. The third heaven is outside. This is where God maintained his city, the capital called the mountain in the north or the city of God, where he has his throne room. He rules out of there. That's where he reigns. And the first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. So, we do not know how long it took God to make the creation. Some of you might say, Well, don't you believe in uh, Genesis chapter 1? I do. But you've got to understand that Genesis chapter 1 is an account of creation and a recreation. There are two different things in here. By the way, I got it in my books, I'm just going to mention it. So, the angels now had commerce, they were traveling between the different civilizations in the universe, and there was one angel that was very powerful, he was called Lucifer. And Lucifer was given a planet, which is our planet, Earth, that was his home planet, and he was also given a job of leading the angels in the throne room. In praise and worship of the Lord. So he traveled back and forth. He was standing time in in heaven. And he was leading worship. So one day. And again we do not know how long. Lucifer simply said this in in himself. That you know. I do not want to be number two. I want to be number one. I like to sit where God sits. I like the angels to worship me. And so, sin was born in his, he doesn't have his soul, but in his spirit. So, he traveled around to all the civilizations in the entire universe. And he he spoke to all civilization of angels. And one third of them decided to follow him and to simply rebel against God. Now, these, these are stupid, because how can you rebel against somebody that created you? So they built the largest space fleet ever seen in the universe. And then one day, they simply rose up for the different planets, converging, and they would try to go outside our universe and converge on the city of God. God, of course, knew that. He had prepared for it. God himself didn't go out and fight him. He sent Michael, and he had his own armed forces. And so we had a war, not a battle, but a war that raged from planet to planet, from solar system to solar system, until finally Lucifer and his armed forces were defeated, captured, and then there was a trial. Everything I've said so far, we have a record of in the Bible. We have them in Ezekiel, we have them in uh, the book of Isaiah and we have it in the book of Enoch. The trial itself, we do not have a verse for it, but we do have a verse in Romans, actually several verses in Romans, where Paul says that God is showing his righteousness. With other words, at this trial, Satan was sentenced to the lake of fire. We have that in the Bible. So. Jesus said the lake of fire was not created for man, but for Lucifer and his fallen angels. As he was sentenced at this trial, Lucifer appealed. And this is, a, this is the uh, uh, words that you've heard before many times. How can a loving God cast his creatures into eternal punishment? That's an old line of Satan that he used at the trial. And you hear this today people say, Well, I don't believe in God. He isn't a crude God. How can he do this and that? So now all God's holy angels were there, the fallen angels were there, and God now was accused of being unrighteous. God had a plan for that. He simply, instead of sending Lucifer, his fallen angels, to the lake of fire. He suspended the sentence, he simply kept it on hold, and now there was the recreation of the earth, because if you read in Genesis chapter 1, we had the creation, chapter 2, it was chaos and destruction on the earth. The earth had been inhabited by people, and Jesus says, wow, people before Adam and Eve? Yes, the Bible tells us that. Who were they? We don't know. But the Bible tells us there were nations, cities, commerce. There was life on earth prior to Adam and Eve. So all the beings, these people, were there any salvation for them? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Where do they go? We don't know some people say well they became demons fallen not fallen angels, but because fallen angels is one thing demons is another thing a demon is a disemboweled spirit he does not have a spiritual body so satan was now thrown down to the earth and confined here the earth was reconditioned god created the garden of eden and by the way the garden of eden was located at the same spot where Lucifer's capital, Eden, used to be. And, of course, if you read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, you know this, that God created Adam and Eve. They were perfect. They had a body, a soul, and a spirit. And they were communicating with God. They were simply holy, the two of them. Now... Satan simply demanded this. If you're gonna prove your righteousness, you gotta be a fair deal. You're a God, I don't have the same power. So God had to limit himself. So what did we do? What did God do? He created a beautiful garden. And then he put one tree in the middle of it. And he said this, Adam, you cannot eat of the fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do that, you shall surely die. So, ask yourself this question now. Use your intelligence. Why did God create a perfect garden, a fantastic place, and then put a tree there that they could not eat? And the answer is, Satan had to have something to simply tempt them with. Because now you see, God said, I will create man and I will show you through man my righteousness. I will show you when somebody sins is their problem, not my problem. So Satan comes in, the first thing he does is he seduce the serpent. And the Bible says the serpent had feet, he could also talk. Matter of fact, animals talked before Adam and Eve fell into sin. So The serpent simply was talked out to to loan his body out to Lucifer because Lucifer could not enter into the physical world unless he had a body. And that's what you find in Genesis that God punished the serpent for doing that. If the serpent would have been simply a snake and would have been innocent, he would not have been punished, but he was punished. So what happened? Well, Lucifer said through the serpent's body and mouth that, you know, you're not going to die if you eat that fruit. You're going to be like gods, angels. So she believed it. She ate it. She fell. And then she gave it to Adam. And Adam didn't want to leave his wife. So he chose Eve over God. And he sinned with her. And now they had a fallen nature. Satan got the earth back. And King Adam was dethroned. And now we had Lucifer back as a god of this earth. He was a king now. So Satan thought, you know, well, you know, that was a, that was a nice, you know, I got that very done Where well. And I proved right now, you know, so God didn't prove anything. Well, Lucifer did not know that God had a different plan. He had a backup plan. right? It's not a backup plan, but had a different plan. And that was to send his only begotten son to die on the cross and to pay for the sins of people so that people could simply by choice accepting Christ. So every time a person accepts Christ, it is simply telling the angelic world, I made a way for them to get saved. They accepted it by choice, by free will. And you can see now that that I am a righteous God, so I said all of this for you to understand that this is a war between God and Satan, and you and I were created to prove God's righteousness, and you might say, but is that fair, no, it is not fair, Uh, you know. No one asked me if I want to prove God's righteousness and be facing the wrath of the Lucifer. But this is, we can even say, this is the way it is. This is who we are. So we got a simple, says, okay, we were created to prove God's righteousness. And doing that, we can be saved. And those of us that are saved, we are right now a little bit lower than the angels. But in the next life, we're going to be higher than the angels because we are going to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ, where with the holy angels, are servants, they will go into the new creation, the holy angels, but they will be beneath us because we will be joint heir with Jesus Christ. So we will have a lot of honor on us and we're going to be paid well. For proving God's righteousness. Now, if I went too fast for, I would simply say this: order my book, *Christian Dynamics*, Course Number One, from my website, and you will have it all there. Now, let's move up now to the book of Job, and Job was a contemporary of Abraham, and Abraham lived about uh, three thousand years before Christ, and. Um, Abraham lived in what is called Canaan, or will be Israel today, or Palestine, and Job lived on the other side of Jordan, he lived up in what is today Jordan. And Job and Abraham lived at the same time, both were Chaldeans, and Job has a, had a lot of insight, matter of fact he had a total understanding of the Messiah. So. For you to understand, there's so many things I cannot just pump into, so just a few things. Job had a full understanding of the coming Messiah, the salvation, and what was going to happen at the end of the world. So did Abraham. They both had revelations. Job now was a minister, and he was a righteous man. And I'm going to read a couple of verses here. I'm going to begin here to pick it up in verse number 6 of Job 1. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Where did they go? This was the courthouse in heaven. There is a courthouse in heaven, because Satan does not have access anymore to the throne room. But there is a courthouse in the second heaven and this is where he went and the Lord said to Satan where do you come from and Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it and the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth a perfect and upright man One that fears God and eschews evil, or simply hates or avoids evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Have you not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth your hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Let me stop right now, and I really want you to understand this. In order for Satan to prove that God is not righteous, he wants to create so much pain and destruction that men will blame God for it, and that men will curse God. When you are sick, when you are attacked into finances, when you get divorced when your children turn to drugs whatever happened people dying around you that work is not done by god the father by satan and satan is trying to create so much pressure on you that you will begin to question your salvation you'll begin to question if god is real you begin to question know your own integrity and the thought will be whispered into your mind. There's one way to get out of this. Kill yourself. Just get out of this right now. And also, it's whispered into you. Look at this. Look at this. You got cancer. You lost your marriage. You lost this. Your children are dead. Curse God. God is a bad God. That's what the devil will do. And he wants you to curse God. And that will give him a point. That's what he wants. So understand that now. Let's read on. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all he has is in your power. Only upon himself put not forth your hand. So Satan went forth for the presence of the Lord. And you read the rest of the chapter, and you'll find that everything that Job had got destroyed. He had ten children. They all died. I mean, it was just terrible. We've it up in verse number 20. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshiped. Who? God. And said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither: the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charge God foolishly. The book of Job was written. He wrote it down, of course, after he had been restored. If he would have known this, he would have been doing things a different way. So here's what I want you to say now. Job was a servant of God. He was a preacher. And he lived righteously. And so Satan struck him. And, of course, Satan simply whispered to Job, look what God has done to you. That's what you get for serving God. He's shafting you. You ought to curse God and die. And this is exactly the same thing that's happened to you and me. But Job didn't break. He simply, when he got bad, he bowed down to the earth, he worshipped, he must have cried. Ten children, all dead, all this business done, his animals gone, everything gone, except his wife. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Well, it's not God that took it, it was Satan. Let's go to chapter 2 now. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from whence come you? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God, eschews evil, and still he holds fast his integrity. Although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. I want to talk to you that are hurting. And you say, you know, I can't understand the pain. I can't understand why I lost my business. I can't understand why my children are in prison, on drug charges, in drugs. I can't understand why I got cancer in my body. And I want to tell you this, most of this is without cause. It is not from God, it is from the devil. And to get well, we got to begin to recognize who made us sick, who stole our property who busted up your marriage. Not God, but the devil. So God said to us, and you still hold fast his integrity. You have moved me against him to destroy you without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man has to give for his life. But put forth your hand now, touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your hand, but save his life. We've got to understand this now. If you don't understand the courthouse, the trial of Lucifer, you will never understand why you are afflicted. God will allow Satan to get into our lives and do damage. Job did not have spiritual weapons at this time to fight with. We do have spiritual weapons. We can fight back. All Job could do was to lean upon the Lord, and to was to Satan behold it in your hand, but save his life. So when Satan forth with the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown, and he took him in potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Listen, friend. When you are in a trial, even your family, your closest one to you will turn on you. They will not understand you. They will say, well, you are anti-Semitic. You are this, you are that, you're proud, you're no good. Satan will throw the last thing he has, and he does that to break you. And Job, how what did he do? But he said it to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. What should we receive received good at the hand of God, and should we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Satan then sent in three of his friends, and you read the rest of the book, and how they really pestered him, and just destroyed him. Let me take you now, I'm not going to read this for the scripture, I'm just going to talk to you about it. At the very end, before Jesus was crucified, Peter was talking to him and said, you know, Lord, if everybody abandons you, count on me, I will be there, I will fight till I die. And Jesus said, hey, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Besides that, Peter, Satan has demanded to have you that he may sift you as wheat. When you have turned around to be converted, strengthen your brother. I'm sure that you're that right at the scripture. Sifted as wheat. Most of us are not born on a farm. And uh, we live in a city, so we say sift the wheat. What does that mean? Well, even if you're born on a farm, they don't sift wheat today. Let me explain to you how the wheat was sifted at the time of Jesus. They would take the harvest, they would cut down the wheat, the chaff, and the stalks, and they would bring them in to what they call a the threshing floor. And this is a large place with a wooden floor, a strong wooden floor, and you would have about 50 20 men standing in a circle, and they would put bundles of wheat in the middle of the room. The men would have not sticks, but they would have pieces of wood, like two by fours, but each piece was maybe about two feet long, and they were sewn together with leather, so you had maybe about an eight foot long piece with leather sewn them together. They would lift those up, and they would whack as hard as they could the weight. So picture now 15, 20 men standing, and whacking the wheat with two by sewn together with leather. And you can f- see the dust and everything else. They, in other words, they beat the tar out of the wheat. And it forced the, kernel, the wheat kernel to fall to the ground. And when they had beat that stuff to oblivion, if I can use that term. They would take the chaff and take it off. And then they would sweep the floor and get up the wheat that the can use to bake with and so on. That's sifting wheat. A very violent situation. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, you're going to be sifted just like they do wheat. Here's the bad news. All of us in our lifetime as Christians will be sifted one time or the other now knowing that we need to prepare mentally and say well i'm going to serve god i'm going to walk with god and if the sifting comes fine what i'm going to do is i'm going to draw closer to god worship him more and i'm going to use my spiritual weapons to fight back against the devil let me take you now to the book of jeremiah that is the book of jeremiah And we're going to look in chapter 20. Now, this message here came to me uh, two days ago during the night. I was going to do a program on a different subject yesterday. And God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to do. So all the stuff I got laid out was given to me by the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah chapter 20, we want to read from verse number 7. Let me give you the background. Jeremiah, the prophet Man of God, to understand this, keep your finger there if you've got a Bible, and turn with me to Jeremiah, the first chapter. And I want to read to you from verse number 4 through 8. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you, and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak from a child. But the Lord said to me, Say not I am a child, for you shall go to all I shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See how you of this day set it over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build and to plant. Wow, what an introduction for a man to be a prophet. Beautiful words, powerful words And Jeremiah started taking off, and he prophesied, and he prayed, and he ministered. But you see, Jeremiah did not know a whole lot about spiritual warfare, and he was not aware of really the spiritual conflict taking place in the spirit world. And in chapter 20, after he had been taken capture, they had arrested him, they had smote him, Pastor the high priest and messed with him, he was put to the pit. And in verse number 7, we read this O oh Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and as prevailed, I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoiled because the word Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearance, and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming many, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying peradventure he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one, therefore my persecution stumble, they shall not prevail, they shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper, their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. But later on it goes down to say here in verse fourteen, curse be the day when I was born. Let not the day when my mother bear me be blessed, because he slew me not from the womb, but that my mother might have been my grave, and a womb to be always great with me. So Jeremiah was severely depressed. I mean, Satan had thrown every demonic force he could against him, pressed him on every side. And Father Jeremiah said, I can't shut up because I got a fire in my bones, but I don't want to live. It's too hard and you said I wish that my mother would have never given me birth But I would have died in the womb. Let me tell you depression is one of the most Powerful weapons that Satan has and depression is caused by demons and how do they work? Well people says, you know, I'm saved, you know, so a demons cannot be in my body You know, that's not true let me ask you a stupid question when you get sick where do you get sick where do you get sick in the body well if darkness and light cannot be together how can the devil get in and make you sick and the answer is the body is a battlefield what about your soul the demons can also go in and be in your soul there's only one thing they cannot do they cannot touch your spirit but they can be in your soul and they will be in your soul and they will be in your physical body this depression a depression is a force it's a force that can actually be measured in the spirit world and it attacks your soul and it puts such a darkness in there that you fail i have failed i'm no good god has abandoned me I, I, nothing is working out. This is sifting. Jeremiah was sifted. He stood, he finished strong. But I want you to see that a man of God of the caliber of Jeremiah, with such a calling, such an anointing, if he could be brought down to such a depth of depression, what do you think can happen to us? So you are not bad you're in good company. If the devil leaves you alone, that means you're not doing anything in the kingdom of God. So don't get depressed over this and say, well, I must be a bad person. No, most likely you're a good person. And because of that, you are being attacked. Let me take you now to the gospel of Mark chapter 14. It's the gospel of Mark and chapter 14. And I want to bring out something to you that you probably never thought about. And You read it, but you didn't understand it in mark 14 and we're gonna pick it up in verse number 32 And this is after Jesus had had the last supper the Passover meal And he came to a place which was called Gethsemane and he said unto the disciples sit you here while I shall pray And he takes with him Peter and James and John and begin to and to be very heavy And he said unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death tell you here And watch. Jesus said, now, my spirit, my soul is terrible, sorrowful. Do you understand that grief is a weapon of Satan too? It simply paralyzes you. If you are grieving, you're paralyzed. And he said, I am sorrowful unto death. So he said to his disciples, I want you to stay over here and I want you to pray. And he went forward a little fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus said, okay, Lord, if there's another way than the cross, please, Lord. And in the next verse, and he said, I will father all things are possible to you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he comes and finds them sleeping. And said unto Peter, Simon, sleep you? Do you sleep? Could you not watch one hour? I want you to see something now. Satan was isolating Jesus. Jesus had with him three disciples. His inner core, his best buddies. And Satan put them to sleep. I have seen this in deliverances. People can't stay awake. I've seen it in church services. People can't stay awake. There's a lot of people who say, well, I have to read the Bible. So do I read the Bible to try to pray, I go to sleep. I, I can't stay awake. That's a demon. That's a demon power. And Satan wanted Jesus alone. And that's what he wants to do with you. He wants you to be alone. He wants you not to talk to your friends. Don't talk to anyone what you're going through. Simply go by yourself. Isolate yourself. Because what he will do, that is is he will go for the kill. There's a spell here. And so what I tell people, when you begin to feel this way, call somebody, get a hold of somebody, break the spell so you are not alone. And then he says this, Once you prayed that lest you enter the temptation, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. When he returned, he Fell him asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither did they know what to answer him. The hour was come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise up, let go. Lo, he that betrays me is at hand. Now Jesus, at this time, it says in another place that his sweat turned to blood. Fear came over him. Loneliness came over him. And this was a time when Satan tried to break Jesus and he couldn't do it this one Jesus was depressed he was filled with grief and he couldn't see any way out but he prayed Father God not my will but yours your will be done so you got to understand now we are in a war a spiritual war it is much worse than what you and I think And we are facing a devil that is ruthless. We are facing fallen angels that are absolutely as evil as they come. And we are facing demons that hate you with a passion. Now, let me take you down to Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a guy that started the Reformation. And we're talking about 1500 after Christ. And if you read the biography of Martin Luther, and it's a fantastic biography to read, I want you to see this. Martin Luther was a monk, a Catholic monk and a priest. He was part of the Roman Catholic Church. God woke him up. He read the letter to the Romans. The Holy Spirit illuminated. And Martin simply said, saved by grace, not by works he was born again. Later he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, imagine now, this is the time, no radio, no television, no electricity, and the only thing available in 1500 were books, pamphlets, and newspapers. That's all they had. God had previously, about 50, 60 years earlier, showed a man, Gutenberg, how to make a print press. Because before the print press was done, Every Bible was handwritten. It could take up to a year to write just one Bible. The print press now gave Martin Luther a weapon. He's standing there all by himself against the Pope, the Cardinals, the Jesuits, the whole nine yard, all by himself. But he stands in the power of God. He writes down his 95 theses, put them up on the door, start preaching salvation. All hell breaks loose, and he's rescued by princes, not because they liked what he preached, but he simply said this, if we are Lutheran, we can take the property that the Catholic Church has if we want some money. So he was rescued, and he began to preach, and he translated the Bible into German. He began to write pamphlets, and he simply challenged Satan's innermost core, the Catholic Church. What do you think would happen to him? Do you think that the devil said, Oh, let's set the choir up and let's sing for Martin Luther. Let's sing for him. Great are you, man, that are doing such a great work. No, there was not a choir sent. There were demons sent galore. God had given Martin Luther a wife. And it's hilarious. She was a former nun. So here we have a Catholic priest that married a former nun. She was a go-getter. And they had five, I think they had five children. But after the Reformation had started, people got saved. Thousands of people began to turn away from the Catholic Church. And the Lutheran Church was growing. Depression hit Martin Luther. He would not eat he, w- he simply locked himself in a room in the house where he lived, and he would not come out. He was so down the dumps that he couldn't do anything, and he was there for several days. And finally, his wife got mad on the hornet. She flung the door. She kicked in the door and simply said, Martin, get up here and start praising God and get going. And she put the fear of God into him, and he broke out. And he was able to continue. Let me tell you this. Depression is horrible. And it simply is a weapon that Satan uses. Most of all against his God's ministers. But also against people. Now, I want to interject right now a story that happened to me. And I didn't write this down. The Holy Spirit said right now, tell the story. Let me take it back to 1973. And we were preparing... I have advertised in California, and we have got a, a young people's group. We, we had a gospel group, we had musicians, we had singers. We had about 30 young people, uh, 22 down to about 16, that we have uh, got it to us. And then we waited them out, and we ended up with about 12 of them. So every week, I lived in a Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area at that time. We would drive up the city called Lincoln. And there was a little Baptist church that loaned the church to us. We came up Friday night, and we had with us a cook, and this lady cooked for us. And we came up, and we practiced music. I did Bible teaching. I taught them how to cast out demons and so on. So we spent all Friday night and all day Saturday. We went home Saturday afternoon, and we did this for about six to seven months. So everything was set. I had a lot of bookings in Sweden. Everything was set to go. We had printed up our brochures. We had printed up cassette labels that we are going to use for our messages and so on. And then one day in Lincoln, I had a seminary in the morning. I was teaching. And I was teaching on the love of God. And I told them, I said to all my people now, Love is the most greatest weapon we have, and we really have to live in love, give love, and pray about love. And I was moved myself. So I finished my session, about an hour, and I walked out. And we're gonna go out and have something to eat. And then I heard the manager, this is a he was an adult, the manager of the gospel group, in a foul language, rip into one of the young people and now you stopped. And I tell you what, I got hit so hard that I couldn't think. I couldn't breathe. I simply said to myself, I cannot handle this. I told my wife, let's get out of here. And I just left. We got in the car and I drove home to the seminary. And when I drove in the car, I was in a black cloud. I was angry, depressed. I couldn't think. I don't know how I got home. And when I got to the seminary, I simply told my wife, I'm going to go to bed. I don't want to eat. I don't want to talk to anyone. And I want you to cancel the overseas crusade, cancel everything. I'm done. And for three days and three nights, I laid in bed in darkness. I couldn't think, I couldn't pray. I was immobilized. I wanted to die. And then my wife called up. It was a pastor that also was a printer. And she said, you know, my husband is going to cancel the order. And he said, why? Well, he doesn't want to have the crusades. He says, why? Well, he's depressed. He said, get him to the phone. Well, she got over there and she dragged me out. She said, get up to the phone. Talk to this pastor. I got up. I was a sorry looking sight. And I simply moaned and groaned. I said, hello. And that man simply said, shut up. What's wrong with you? And he began to pray. In the name of Jesus, I break that. It was like I woke up. And I said, oh, my God. What did I try to do? Praise God. We went that summer. I preached for 10 weeks. We had probably about... 40,000 people in our meetings, I mean we reached so many people for Christ, but the devil almost destroyed me, had me commit suicide, for three days and three nights, I could not leave my bed, this happened to me, two more times, matter of fact it was the same summer, we were over there, the same manager, and i would be very quick here, the same manager, I was out one day, we had a huge tent that the people had there. And I was walking around and I saw my manager and one of the musicians with a big knife cutting the ropes to the tent. And I yelled out, what are you guys doing? And again, the same power of Satan hit me. I got in a deep depression. I went back to the place where we stayed. We stayed with the family. Did the same procedure, went straight to bed. Just lay there. And told my wife, I'm not coming out. I'm not preaching tonight. Here we had thousands of people waiting for me to preach. She sent for the, for the preachers there and for the team They came over. I just pulled the covers over my head. I would even look at them. I said, I'm done. You, somebody else preach tonight. I won't go out there. I was in such a darkness, such in turmoil. And so a buddy of mine preached that night. Afterward, they came to me and they cast the demons out. And praise God, they got me loose. But you know what? I got hit the third time. The same manager, the same thing happened. We were in a meeting in another place, and I saw him up there, and he hit one of the Swedish people that were there on the platform. He just gave him an elbow in his his side, and I saw that big man just fall to the ground. I says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I went back in depression again. But he prayed me out. I preached that night, and that night I fired him, and I said, I'm going to take charge. Now, the time is just about gone. I'm halfway through, but here's what I want you to take home with you today. We are in a battle. It is a spiritual battle that is bigger than what we can think of. And the name of the game is to make you and me to curse God and die, and to lose our positions, and to stop doing what God called us to do. There is victory. And if I get a chance, I will share with you another time. I will share with you the, the victory. But I want to tell with you, I had a, my experience three times, and praise God, I came out of it. And after that, it has never happened again. But I see people around me had this has happened to them, and I got to pull them out. It's real. So there are demons. There is sickness. There is depression, and this is part of the battle. Hopefully, my next program here, I will share with you how to step by step have the victory and turn the weapons of the devil and fight him. But we are shooting back more than we are taking in. So, praise the Lord. God bless you. Back to you, Shayla.
1: Thank you, John. Well, folks, the information, John's information is eaec.org. The information is linked below in the description. Make sure that you reach out to John and let him know you heard him on the program. And we look forward to next week on part two of this very same topic. Looking forward to getting into part two. We'll see you next week. Good night and God bless you folks.